Please turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38, which is on page 1042 in the Church Bibles. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I wonder what your um, diary looks like this week, if you have any idea what it looks like, if you've opened it yet. What are the things you might be looking forward to, the things that you just have to do because they're part of your weekly life? Our diaries actually reveal a lot about us, don't they? How organised we are, uh, what our interests are, what the priorities are in our lives. Well, the passage we're, we're looking at this morning may be quite familiar to some of us, and how we respond to it may depend on the type of person that we are, whether we are a sort of a Mary type or a, or a Martha type. Whether we feel a natural sympathy for Mary or Martha will depend on whether we are by nature an active, uh, uh, task-focused doer, somebody who's always on the go, or somebody who's more contemplative, more relational, more of a, a beer. We need to accept the sort of person that we are uh, and that others are, are different. And we shouldn't allow ourselves to get annoyed by those who are different from us. But the lessons we can draw from this passage this morning are not dependent on the type of person that we are. The lesson in many ways that we will draw from this passage is about the most important way that we use our time, the limited time that God has given to us. We are now in the the last of um, the current sermon series in Luke chapter 9 and 10, um, which we've been looking at the fear of commitment, or looked at uh, another way, the the cost of discipleship. And in these chapters, we've been looking at what holds us back from committing our lives to Jesus Christ, whether it's the fear of rejection, fear of just not being able to do enough, or in this case, just not having the time for Jesus Jesus has sent the 72 disciples out um, in a previous passage. In chapter 10, we saw that a couple of weeks ago. And they've they've come back rejoicing at the power they've been able to wield in Jesus' name. And Jesus tells them, remember in verse 20, they look back very briefly over the page. He says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And last week, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, which uh, Jesus told to uh, somebody who was called an expert in the law, who's somebody who asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And in that parable, Jesus made clear that if we try and focus on all that we need to do, we miss the message that the good news of Jesus is about what God has done for us, that he has shown us mercy. And it's only when we truly grasp that 
that we won't worry about what we have to do. It will become natural to us that we want to show mercy and compassion to all those around us who are in need. Where we're told that uh, Jesus and his disciples then carry on and they arrive at this village where Mary and Martha lived. Uh, We know that from other accounts. It's the village of Bethany, just outside Jerusalem. And now it doesn't say here, but we know elsewhere that these two sisters, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, end up becoming close friends of, of Jesus. But the friendship doesn't change the fact that this was the Son of God. The Son of God coming to visit them. Now, there's something very special about that visit. Now, those days, you couldn't exactly just uh, get on your mobile and uh, phone ahead to say that you were coming. So that visit would have caught them by surprise. How do they just respond? How would you respond if someone very importantly suddenly dropped in on you? Well, the way the two sisters responded was very different and provides us with an important lesson for us this morning. What we see first in Martha is someone who wants to serve. He's very pleased to be able to to do all she can for this special guest. But one who's lost her joy in service. Martha opens her home. She, She welcomes Jesus. She ministers to him. After all, he's been on the road. He's hungry. He's thirsty. She sees his need. And she sets about preparing him a meal. Hospitality is a great quality. It's a great gift that is mentioned in the Bible. Um, It's mentioned as a quality of an elder. Um, It's mentioned in Romans 12 as something that we should do. Practice hospitality. It's something that um, we're quite good at as, as a church. And it's something which comes naturally to Martha. So off she goes into the kitchen to, uh, to get to work. And uh, in those days, it wasn't just getting something out of the freezer and putting it in the microwave. Um, and she probably want to prepare something very nice for Jesus as well. So it will take time and effort and energy. As she's busy working away in the kitchen, she overhears Jesus talking to her sister in the other room. And she starts to feel quite resentful. Here she is doing all this hard work and her sister's not even lifting a finger to help. And so it says, here she becomes, verse 40, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she goes to Jesus and asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is just not fair. And Jesus answers in that very gentle, very understanding, not a critical way. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. What has happened to to Martha in this uh, story? Well, she's lost that joy in service, isn't she? And there's two reasons that Jesus gives. She's worried and she's upset. In other words, there's anxiety and there's resentment. Let's just consider these two things and how we might be vulnerable to them in our own Christian ministry. Anxiety. What is it that, that worries people like Martha? Well, it's often just not being able to get the job done. Uh, or to be more precise, the consequences of not getting the job done on time. Martha's the sort of person who's worried about her to-do list which she never gets to the end of. As soon as she knocks something off the top, something comes in on the bottom. And that's true for many of us, isn't it? We live in a world where, because of sin, 
work has taken over in people's priorities and it's become more important than relationships. It's taken over people's lives. People are working longer hours. They're taking their phones, their their laptops with them wherever they go. Why is that often? Do we really need to be contacted in every situation? Or is it an anxiety? If I'm not there when that person needs me, then it'll be a disaster. I won't get the promotion I need. I may even get the sack if I'm not there. Often we don't sleep because we we are worried about all the things that we need to do, the things we didn't do yesterday, the things we'll have to do tomorrow, and if we don't get them done, what's going to happen? We're worried about all those emails we haven't responded to, those phone calls we haven't got back to. Now, of course, if we have been given a responsibility, it is right to not want to let people down. And if, if we don't care about letting people down, then we've got a bit of a problem. We need to sort that out. But for most of us, we don't want, we don't like to let people down. We want to meet our responsibilities, and we worry. But often I think that worry is more about what people will think of us if we don't do a good job. And so we prioritise the things that people will see, rather than what actually may be more important in the long term. Maybe we're too much of a perfectionist. Maybe we, we simply just take on too much stuff because we, uh, we like to be needed. We don't like to, to say no. And sometimes we just need to say, I'm sorry, but I just can't do that right now. And so our ministry, instead of uh, becoming something we, we are doing joyfully for the Lord, becomes a burden. The reason Martha goes to Jesus, the cause of her complaint, is her sister. Look at what she says. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. For Martha, there's, there's injustice going on here. She's doing all the hard work while her sister is not pulling her weight. And I'm sure all of us who've been involved in, in church work will have felt like that at some time. I've been here for hours setting this up and and nobody's come to help, nobody's even noticed, nobody's shown any gratitude. The others just turn up when they feel like it with some excuse. Why can't someone else show a bit of initiative and uh, and get on and do something instead of standing around? So-and-so should have been on the the rotor today. They didn't even say they wouldn't be here. I I did it last time, I've done my thing this, this month. And so on and so on. Nobody cares about me. And soon we become full of Self-pity. Now, I'm not excusing here sloppy behaviour. I'm not excusing poor commitment or laziness. And if when you look at yourself, you realise that may be true of you, then you do need to repent and ask the Lord for his help. But if we are serving the Lord, we can't allow the lack of commitment, the deficiencies that we see in others, affect our own ministry. We can challenge others, and that is right to do so. We We need to be prepared to be rebuked when necessary. But we have to leave that in God's hands. We have to pray that he will change that person if that is what is required. And as we do that, we can do something about our own feelings of resentment. Resentment often arises because we would rather be doing something else. And that can display really where our heart is. If you're involved in an area of ministry in the church at the moment and... uh, you're doing it 
because you really just, you see a need, and you just want to help out. Something just needs to be there to, to cover it. That's not really where your heart is. You're not really enjoying it. That's not the passion that God has given you to serve. And if that is the case, that probably won't be a, a fruitful ministry. That's not to say that uh, there will be times in any ministry where we, we just don't feel like doing it this evening. We don't feel like going out and leading that group. And we do come along because we are committed. And that is right. But if that becomes the norm every time, that you really just don't want to go and do that particular ministry, then maybe the Lord is moving you on to something else where your, your heart is and your passion is. Part of Martha's resentment may be that she would rather be doing what Mary's doing. Maybe she'd rather be sitting at Jesus' feet herself, being taught, being ministered to. But she feels she has to get that work done first. Well, how do we avoid this feeling of, of worry, of anxiety and resentment? How do we re- retain our joy in serving the Lord? Well, the answer is we need to be served by Jesus before we can serve him. When Martha comes to Jesus to complain, Jesus answers, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, what is that, that one thing? Well, let's turn back to Psalm 27, which I read at the, uh, the beginning of the service. Psalm 27, verse 4. <clears throat> Page 557. Psalm 27, verse 4 says... One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That one thing is to spend time with God, to delight in him, to spend time getting to know him, to enjoy him. What God wants more than anything else is for us to know him. And he has graciously made himself known to us. We have his word, the Bible. He even sent his son to earth to reveal himself to us. And that is a gift that God gives to us, the ability to know him. And when we do have that personal relationship with him, which is only possible when we trust in what Jesus has done for us, as he's removed that barrier of sin that separates us from God, when we come to know him in that special way, it's an amazing experience. It's being like like set free. And the trouble is, though, it's then easy to think, well, now I know God. Now I have that relationship with God. Now 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 I don't need to to get to know him anymore. I can call call him up whenever I need to speak to him. That's, That's fine. That's enough for me. I don't need to get any closer that God wants us to know him more and more deeply. This is why Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in his love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is the depth of the relationship that we need to be seeking with God. Now, it's not every day that you get Jesus knocking on your door. Um, Zacchaeus, the, the tax collector, knew that. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus, who in Jesus effectively invited himself into his home, and he said, yes, come, come, and eat with me. Martha, again, knew it was an amazing opportunity. She welcomed him in. But her opportunity, she saw, was to impress him, to serve him. She didn't see what she really needed, which was to receive from Jesus. Mary did see that. She knew that. It was an opportunity to get to know Jesus more deeply. And so while Martha is is trying to serve Jesus, Jesus is serving Mary. Because Mary is humble. She's teachable. She's also wise. She realizes that, um, as we're taught in the Bible, that, that man doesn't live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is the food that sustains. The benefit of a meal lasts a few hours, doesn't it? Until the next meal comes along. Or if you're a a teenage lad, it probably lasts only a few minutes before you're hungry again. The benefit of spending time with Jesus lasts forever. Now, in Jesus' day, to sit at the feet of a rabbi and learn was a huge privilege. For Mary to sit at Jesus' feet means she's been selected here as a a privileged disciple to receive ministry training from Jesus. Jesus is demonstrating here that he has a high regard for women. He treats them equally. He wants them to be taught and trained and able to minister, to introduce others to Christ, to help those who already know him grow in their love for him. All Christian women should be prepared for ministry. But we should also point out that Jesus doesn't have any women among the twelve apostles. The the New Testament church doesn't have women among the, the position of elder. Because the Bible teaches that God made men and women differently. They are there to complement each other, to perform different roles. And that is only disrespectful to women if you think that respect is based on what people do. Jesus had no regard for position. He was more interested in a humble, contrite spirit, which is what Mary showed here. The one thing needed, Jesus says, is to know God. And if you know him already, to know him better. What does it mean to to know God? Knowing God is the title of a, a great book by Jim Packer which I'd recommend that everybody reads, put it on your bookshelf. Well, don't just put it there, but actually read it first before you do that. Um, if you've never read it, do get it. It's, it's a great book. It's, um, it's got a study guide in the back, so you can read it with somebody else and uh, ask each other the questions just to see how much you've taken in. Um, excellent book to uh, get for Christmas. What does it mean to know good God, though? If you read that book, you'll see it's about being in wonder at his divinity, his his godness, the difference between him as the creator and us as created beings, that that he is self-existent, he's infinite, he's internal, he's unchangeable. It means to be in awe of his power, that he's almighty, he's all-knowing, he's all-present. 
It means to be humbled by his perfect character, that he's loving, that he's gracious, that he's forgiving and truthful and just. And it means to know what pleases him, what offends him, what gives him joy. Ask yourself, how much have I grown in my knowledge of God? Maybe in the last year, maybe the last five years, the last ten years. Now, we need to add a word of caution here because the reason why we need to know God more is not, as Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, in order that that knowledge will puff us up and make us feel pleased with ourselves. That's not what it's about. Why does the psalmist say, teach me your decrees, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law? Let's just go to Psalm 119. Page 617. Psalm 190. Look at verse 2, for example. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Or verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Or verse 5. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. The psalmist's knowledge of God is not a a theoretical head knowledge. He wants to know God. He wants to understand, understand his truth so that his heart may respond to it, so that his life may be transformed by it, so that he'll be more obedient to, to God's laws. Now, going back to Luke 10, we don't see what happens after this little episode of Mary and Martha. But we know that Jesus knows people's hearts. And he wouldn't be commending Mary's actions here if, after he'd spent time teaching her, Mary carried on sitting around with her feet up on the sofa doing nothing. Mary's learning from Jesus so that she can go out and serve. But serving from a heart that is full of Jesus, that is full of his love, that is full of joy... The reason why it's so important to keep Sunday special is because it's meant for us to be a time when we can spend time with God and with his people. God knew we needed rest. Uh, Yes, we need physical rest, but more importantly, we need spiritual refreshment. Sunday is the first day of the week now. We worship God, we come together with him, we are recharged so that we can go out into the world and do what he wants us to do. How many of us say, well, when things get easier, then I'll spend more time with God. Then I'll be able to have a quiet time. I'll be able to to go to a home group. I'll be be able to to come to church more more regularly. I remember when I left uh, banking to go to Bible college, thinking this will be great now. Um, It's going to be so much easier to, to have quiet times. But I had a young family. I had a commute to Bible college. I was involved in the local church. I had... um, evenings to study in. There's no point waiting for things to get easier. Life doesn't get easier, does it? If you wait to see, well, when I get home from work, if I've got time, then maybe I'll read my Bible, then I'll go to a home group or a prayer meeting. Put in your diary your time with God and his people and build things around that. 
when we run the Christianity Explore course, we know there are people on that course who've been putting off for years coming to it, saying, well, when things get easier in my life and I have more time, then I will do it. And when they finally decide, yes, I'm going to do it this time, um, even then we know that the devil will be trying to pull them away, putting things in their way. Extra work, last minute things that, that crop up, tiredness, illness. And that's why prayer is so important. If you are someone who hasn't yet found Jesus, then make it a priority because it will never happen unless you do. Speak to a pastor, speak to a mature Christian friend, come and join us on the next Christianity Explore course. Don't delay. And if you do know Jesus already, then enjoy getting to know him better because that is what brings the greatest fulfillment in life. That is what we were made for, to know God. And when we don't spend time with him, Jesus, with Jesus, it's not like he thinks, so, well, I've got plenty of others to take care of. I'm not really bothered if, if Martha doesn't come and join us. Let her carry on in the kitchen. When we're busy spending time doing things which we think are more important, Jesus misses us because he loves us. He knows how much we will gain from spending time with him. And he's sad for us when we choose not to. Well, we've come to the end of this uh, current series in Luke on the fear of commitment. Looking at what it is that might hold us back from committing to Jesus in the first place or just committing to him more deeply. I hope that what has come through is not just that there is a cost to discipleship, that uh, we do need to take up our cross, but that in Jesus we find the power to cope with those challenges. We find true peace, true rest for our souls. Jesus said, as it says here, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't struggle on, trying to, on your own, make sense of life, trying to do enough to somehow prove yourself to others or to yourself or to God. Jesus has done it for you. Let him carry your burdens. And as you experience his power, rejoice, not just in that power, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So a moment of uh, quiet, just to speak to God. Maybe deal with something that he's uh, been revealing to us in our lives that needs dealing with. And I'll pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to serve us, that you want to serve us, you want to carry our burdens, you want to give us peace, peace with God, you want to give us rest for our souls. 
And so often we just ignore that invitation. We carry on doing things our way because we feel we know what we need to do. We can cope. We don't need your help. We don't need to know you any better. Lord, show us our need for you. Not just our need for your salvation, which is our greatest need, but our need to get to know you more deeply, to become more like you. I need to spend time with you. And as we do so, as we are filled with uh, joy in your presence, that we would go out and serve you with joy in our hearts, serving you with the right attitude and motivation, because we know how much you love us. Lord, may all the ministry of this church and whatever we are called to do in this church be filled with that sense of joy. Help us not to be those who look at others and uh, see their faults, but to be those who are so filled with your love that we are blind to them. We are filled only with uh, your, your presence and our desire to please you. Lord, thank you for all you've done for us. Amen. Our final song, I Stand Amazed in the Presence.